This is The Top, where I interview entrepreneurs who are number one or number two in their industry in terms of revenue or customer base. You'll learn how much revenue they're making, what their marketing funnel looks like, and how many customers they have. I'm now at $20,000 per talk. Five and six million. He is hell-bent on global domination. We just broke our 100,000 unit sold mark. And I'm your host, Nathan Latka. In the last episode, number 22, you heard from Jamie Turner, who went from freelance college speaking to charging 100,000 bucks a year in brand new speaking fees. Okay, our guest today is Ben Williamson. Now, Ben worked under Steve Jobs at Apple for almost 10 years and helped craft Apple's retail strategy. He since founded YoShirt, where he's growing the company super fast and landed funding from KPCB, a leading VC firm uh, in the whole world, quite honestly. The dude also knows how to save the lives of 15 men at 5 a.m. in the morning as ocean waves threaten to smash a sailboat along a cliff in the Catalina Islands. We'll get to that in a second. But Ben, are you ready to take us to the top? I'm ready, Nathan. <laughs> dude, awesome. So first, people are wondering, what? This dude worked, you know, he, 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 he saw Steve Jobs in action. Tell us about that. What did you do at Apple? Uh, so I was really fortunate at Apple. I was there for nearly a decade, uh, actually over, over that all in, and then got different key points of exposure. So I worked in retail during the kind of rapid retail growth and was a lead business consultant there and got to see the strategy and really see uh, what, you know, what happened when Apple went out to the front lines and decided they wanted to own this experience. I remember when we took out the Wall Street Journal ad talking about how we wanted to move the dial and we wanted it to get to the point where when you bought an Apple product, people didn't think you were crazy. And at the time, Gateway Story, like Gateway Country was happening. You know, there was all kinds of negative press about what Apple was doing. And it was a very different time. It was a very different company. As, as we grew and as we scaled and actually demonstrated that we could make a meaningful move in the dial and actually take back market share, you know, things obviously changed a lot. But I was fortunate to work in hardware engineering. I worked under, uh, when Doug Fields was heading up the organization, he created a little thing called the Segway, you may remember. And then was also a senior software engineer for a couple of years and then left uh, after that. So I got to kind of get the full 360 and see what made Apple unique and what made Apple successful from a lot of different angles and was fortunate to be able to take that knowledge into what I'm doing now. So I remember when we met, I think it was at a New York mastermind and we got to spend some time. I, I'd kind of watched you throughout the night and I would watch you like just walk up to random people and just start conversation. You had no fear. You almost saw like a challenge. And so I'm like, I need to chat with this guy when, you know, there's not everyone else around him. So we ended up sitting in this, I think it was like a leather couch at this swanky, yeah. swanky restaurant. It had like, I remember it was like an old French background, brown leather, I think. And I started asking you about, well, dude, like, because the Steve Jobs bio just came out, and I said, Ben, like, what do you think makes him unique? Do you remember what you told me? Uh, which which part? I mean, I, I remember the conversation. That was, that well, was quite a lengthy conversation, and you were you were definitely looking for very specific things. I remember. I was like, wow, this this guy knows what he's looking for. So <laughs> let's just, you know. Well, you told me. I think. Look, what surprised me a lot was how you said you watched Steve create SWAT teams for like groundbreaking products. So yeah. help me understand, like maybe tell a story about when you saw Steve do that. It was, um, you know, an interesting thing about Steve that I don't think a lot of people recognize is that he he was a visionary leader. You know, he was a, he was a lot of things. And 
one thing that people don't necessarily understand is his ability to know exactly what you needed to achieve your very best and his, his ability to intuit whether or not you were capable of it and you just needed a kick in the ass or you were capable of it and you just needed some help approaching the problem from a different perspective. Whatever it was, he, you know, I, I kind of observed him, his impact really more than working directly with him, but just his ability to make sure that the, the best people were in the right room headed in the right direction. And also knowing and helping you believe that you could do 20 times more than you thought you were capable of and showing you that it could be done. If you look at a lot of the products that are early on in Apple's history, it was only a couple of people working on it. You know, if you look at um, like the original iTunes application, that was two guys. And, you know, it, when you think about two people creating an entire application, it, it just boggles the mind. It's completely different in the way Apple was run back then. It was completely different than anything else out there that, you know, a typical software project would have 40 or 50 people on it, four or five project managers, lots of different releases and milestones. And at Apple, it was just a couple of guys grinding really hard, making it happen in isolation and secrecy until the covers came off and the, you know, the curtain lifted and the entire world was waiting to rush into the vacuum and see what they created next. And Ben, what would Steve say to say these two people working on iTunes when these two maybe developers said, Steve, there's no way we're going to get this released on June 1st? Well, I, he would say you're going to get it released by June 1st or you're no longer going to be here. You know, <laughs> he, it was, people, people didn't say no to Steve often. Um, I worked on, there was one product I worked on um, that was, it was a black project. And there was, I'm, I'm not going to say exactly what it was, but the, something changed. Frequently, people would work on projects for a really long time, and Steve didn't mention it on stage at the keynote. There was one, uh, one project that was an airport base station that was updated. You know, I don't remember what Macworld it was at, but it actually was updated. It was really released. And we were at Macworld waiting to talk about it, and Steve didn't talk about it on stage. So everyone ran to the project manager and said, did we kill the product just now? Or can we talk about it? Like, are we really going to release this? Because, you know, he would he would change things up to the last minute and the whole company would just kind of respond on a dime. Hmm. Uh, you know, it was it was never a dull moment. That's amazing. So I think, you know, for the top tribe listening, the focus on small teams of really talented people, you know, two people on a big idea is way more powerful and beneficial than putting an army of 50 or 70 people on one project. I think, Ben, that's kind of what I took from you when you were telling me these stories. Yeah, absolutely. And also, you know, realizing that you can do more with less. And if you're able to kind of shorten the synaptic gap between the people you're working with, you can develop a hive mindset where, you know, I come in or, you know, we're working on a project together until two in the morning and you conk out, right? And I'm up till three or four and then I go to bed and you come in in the morning and you pick up where I left off or you had a dream about the solution, whatever it is, you just get into this really, really tight feedback loop where you're able to, you know, move faster, respond quicker and deliver more value than, you know, the, the competition. It's ama amazing insights from your time at Apple. So Ben, you've now shifted. You're focused on a phone. It's an application called YoShirt. Tell us real quick, what is YoShirt? So YoShirt basically puts the power of a clothing company and a clothing designer, you know, in your in your pocket as in a mobile experience. You can drop into the app and design, you know, if you're 
if you're a woman, you want to design some yoga pants or you know, a lady's tee, a scoop neck, a razorback, you can drop in and do that. If you're a guy, you want to go and design some t-shirts or something funny or actually something that's representative of an experience you had or you know a design you have in, in your head and you want to just make it real, you can design it on the phone. One touch, we actually take that design and make a physical garment out of it. That's amazing. Just Just through a picture. Yeah, through a picture or through a design, your own background pattern, whatever you want. I remember over New Year's, I was hiking in Palm Springs. We took a great picture. And on the way back, we got in the car. We were still sweating from the hike. I opened up Yo shirt, put in the picture, ordered a large, got it. And it was amazing, full bleed image, high quality, right on this t-shirt. It's one of my favorite shirts. I love it. Yeah, that's where we have a lot of people that are using the app in, in a, you know ways that we never really anticipated. A lot of them are photos, but a a higher and higher majority are actually legitimate designs or really one-of-one things capturing a memory or an experience and people modifying it slightly, either filtering it or adding text or, um, you know, one one woman recently got a pair of yoga pants with nothing but positive affirmations on them. Ah, very and cool. It, it just, it's really unlocking a lot of creativity and giving people a new medium for self-expression. Well, I know Ben, ben Weta, who we actually interviewed in episode 10, and we talked about how he is using a very creative approach to real estate to generate like 5X returns, where he puts in 100K, gets 500K out. He also loves it. I see him in his newsfeed all the time. He's got socks with created with Yo Shirt stuff, all this kinds of clothing with Yo Shirt stuff. So you guys are growing like crazy. You just land funding from Kleiner Perkins, which is one of the top VC firms in the world. I mean, you guys are crushing it. So walk me through some of the numbers. How long have you guys been around and how many people have downloaded the app? So we're north of a million downloads now. Um, and we're, we're pretty happy about that. We've had double digit percentage growth really since we turned on the, turned on the marketing engine and started any outbound marketing month over month. And, uh, you know, it's, it's been incredible. It's, it's been, you know, challenging. I think um, a lot of people underestimate what it really re- requires to throw everything you have at a problem like this and, and be able to really keep up when you're successful. You know, there's that fear of, okay, like now we're going live. We're going to let, we're going to put our product out there. We're going to see if people like it. And, you know, you never really think what happens if too many people like it, you know, <laughs> what happens when we need to good problems. Yeah, it, they're they're good problems, but when you're in the middle of it, you're never thinking, "Wow, this is amazing!" Like <laughs> we're having so much trouble shipping shirts within two weeks or three weeks. Like, what are we gonna do? We need to, you know, set up a new factory. We need. It's just you're never thinking, "Oh, this this is exactly what I where I always wanted to be." Yeah, um, I I love I love this, and I want to dig deeper. So so help help listeners understand, you know, who might be thinking about starting their own apps in some space. Of the one million downloads you've got, how many people have actually um, ordered some at least you know one piece of clothing through the app? So it's over. You know, our conversion rate's about two percent right now, and we're actually in the process of going back and really instrumenting every single step and going back to the drawing board and looking at what's critical, what can we do to make the process easier, how are people really using the app. What and is that a 2%, Ben, from what to what? From from download to purchase. Oh, got it. Got it. Okay. So, yeah. And um, and of the, of the, so 2% of people who download and, and purchase some kind of product, it sounds like you guys haven't really focused a ton on tackling and trying to drive that number higher, which is great. I mean, you guys have had just had rapid growth of the people that are buying something. Are they typically like, what are they typically spending? Is it a cheap pair of socks like for five bucks or is it a sweater? That's like 40. 
No, it, it's it's a mix. The majority are T-shirts, and the average uh, purchase price, the, like the average value per transaction, is held steady. It's fluctuated between thirty-eight and forty-two dollars. So we're we're very consistent there. We've added some lower price products, and it hasn't made a meaningful impact. Interesting. Um, in terms of you know driving down the average value. So let's so, go ahead. I was going to say if we if we just call it forty bucks, just mm-hmm. for sake number's sake, help 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 listeners understand. How did you guys kind of engineer the business model to make sure that you guys could make money from this? Or are you not focused on making money on that $40? No, we, we are focused on making money. I mean, I think <laughs> I, I believe hey, you talk to a lot of people now that have way too much money and they go, Oh, I don't care if we lose money for the next 20 years. Yeah. I'm, you know, we're, we're actually taking a fresh look at everything right now. We're, um, we're really diving into the numbers and looking at, um, like D0 to 7 individual first-time users and what the segmenting those based on cohorts. So looking at, you know, Google or organic search or Facebook installs or, you know, Twitter traffic, whatever it is, and isolating every single new group of people into a seven-day window and seeing what behavior changes and then what we can, you know, instrument, what we can change about the app experience to, to move that and have a meaningful impact. And I think that, um, you know, if you, if you want to do this well, if you're actually looking to build something that's going to be a viable entity instead of just kind of a lifestyle brand. If you really want to have an impact um, on the marketplace in the way that in industry functions, you need to really focus on that data and and understand what what it is about your business. Um, I think a lot of times, you know, you hear stories from advisors or investors that that dive into a business and they find out, wow, you know, like this company was actually losing four dollars per Facebook install, and they thought they were profitable. No wonder they blew through, you know, five million in seed funding in a couple yep. months. Yeah. So, you know, taking knowing and frequently we'll actually say, hey, like we don't think we really have a, a deep understanding of this problem, and it's not enough to say, hey, we throw money at something and sales happen. We'll we'll turn off channels abruptly and say, okay, like we're going to turn off the channel for seven days or for twenty eight days, and we're just going to monitor and see like how much of a trail, how much. How many new activations do we see that came from that? And does it make a meaningful impact in sales? What, do, what are we not measuring that we should be? You know, what is it really going to take for us to understand the inner workings on a granular level? So I want to I go back eventually and talk about the things you've shut off that haven't worked. But help us understand you know, how YoShirt is generating revenue. Are you charging per download or how much are you making on the 40 buck average purchase price? So we have, we have 60% gross margin. Across the product, so we can produce a shirt. You know, if, if it's forty bucks to your door, then you know, let's say it's around you know twelve to fifteen bucks for us to produce. And we have a completely unique process. When you design a shirt in the app, what we do is we actually take that image and we map it to a two D space, and we print that on a single piece of fabric. So what you designed in the shirt was actually printed on a single piece of fabric, and it was cut out according to your dimensions and your size with the image you actually, you know, took on your phone on that hike. Mm-hmm. And from there, we cut and sew each individual garment. Interesting. We cut out, cut out the pattern, sew it together in a machine, you know, put a hang tag on it, put it through quality control, make sure that it's representative of a garment that we, you know, we would like to receive in the mail if we had created it in the app. And then we, you know, put it in our packaging and ship it to your door. It's amazing. So, uh, so you have 50 so on the $40 sale you've got let's just call it 15 bucks cost of goods sold are you spending like is there is there $5 out of that 40 dedicated to like the marketing spend it took to get the $40 sale or is that too really small for you guys and you're not tracking that right now 
No, it's it's negligible. I mean, it's less than um, you know five percent of that overall cost. It's between like five and eight percent, depending on the channel and depending on the test. Got it. So, so you guys are. I mean, most of the growth. Then I mean, this is ama- These are amazing, amazing margins. You're keeping, let's say, tw- you know, twenty bucks on every sale. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's twenty or north of twenty. And you know, you hear yeah. all these people. You know, these folks talk about utility of applications versus these like stupid applications that don't do anything except play like fart music, so you can like joke on your friends. It sounds like, I mean, Yoshirt's really creating a utility for people. I think that helps them take you know physical experiences and actually put them on a physical garment so that they live forever. Do you guys think about utility a lot? Yeah, we do actually. One of one of our key advisors is a guy named, um, well, two actually individuals that have just been instrumental in in any. I, I don't want to say success, but in any uh, wins we've had to date, you know, they've been instrumental in uh, Heaton Shaw and Arjun Sethi. So Heaton did Kidsmetrics, Crazy Egg, you know, self funded. Also did the VC route. Very successful entrepreneur. And then Arjun Sethi, who's the vice president of Mobile at Yahoo, um, he's coming out with a new app now. He was at Message Me and Low Labs, early Facebook guy. And they just did a, or I think it was Arjun that did a Medium blog post on talking about the utility and the life cycle of applications. And that's really what we aim for. You know, we're not looking to be the next kind of fart or sticker or flashlight app in the app store. <laughs> we're looking to change. Amen, you know, amen brother. Yeah. <laughs> the, the world has enough flashlight apps. Totally, right? dude. I love that. Well, look, but we've, th- go ahead, go ahead, keep going. Go ahead. No, but, um, you know, we all actually, let me pull up an email I got. I got an email from a 15-year-old girl today uh, who downloaded the app. And uh-huh. she said, hey, you know, my dream has always been to be a fashion designer. And I got your app and I've ordered some clothing and I'm actually designing my own line. And I'm using this as, you know, for samples. And I'm able to show them to people. And for the first time in my life, people are starting to take me seriously. You know, although I'm, I'm not like a designer yet, this application has changed the available options in my life. And I just wanted to say thank you. Yeah, you, you print that and you frame it 20 times around the Yoshirt office. I mean, that's awesome. Yeah, no, it's it's amazing. Um, and then funny, you know, funny memes. Like there's a guy that has, he sent us a picture. He, he got a pug on his shirt and then he's got a, a shirt. He had a, a pet, like he did a custom one where it's his face on his pug. Oh, geez. He, you know, <laughs> and the title is... Uh, what was it? It was man in pug shirt, pug in man shirt, you know? And then another another guy, he just sent in a shirt. He said, it, he was just like, thanks for the shirt. It's very meta. And it's a picture of him taking a selfie with his shirt on his face that he got reprinted on another shirt. So it's like, you know, it's just this. And people are using it for all all sorts of amazing, you know, and, and funny things. So, yeah, it's great. I mean, I, I think the creative things you're going to see from this thing are going to be amazing. And I think the 15-year-old story is probably just the start. If you are loving this episode, you will love episode number eight, where we talk to the head of strategy at GoPro, responsible for taking them from $300,000 a year in sales to $300 million in sales. And to celebrate the top tribe, I am giving you guys the chance to win a GoPro and my top three favorite business books. In order to win, simply text the word Nathan to 33444. Again, N-A-T-H-A-N to 33444 for your chance to win hundreds of dollars in prizes every week. The first one is a GoPro and my favorite business books.
Before we get into my favorite part of the show, I want to make sure the audience understands the numbers. So, Ben, correct me if I'm wrong as I repeat these. I think these are accurate, though. So, you said 1 million downloads, 2% have actually purchased. So, that's 20,000 people have actually downloaded the app and made a purchase at an average purchase price of 40 bucks. And you guys are keeping, let's say, on average, 20 bucks per shirt. So, again, you're making revenue to the tune of about 400 grand so far. You've raised capital. I mean, are all those numbers accurate? Um, there are, I mean, that doesn't account for repeats and I mean, there's, there's some variation within those numbers, but that's, uh, you know, like a low baseline of generally right. Cool. Yeah. I love the way you kind of reverse engineer and just kind of pull the covers off, off everyone you talk to. Well, look, listen, it's unfair, dude. Oprah gets like an hour and a half to like make, make their, make, make her guests like comfortable and then get the numbers for me. I've got to like, I've got to like get in fast in like a minute and a half and then be like, Oh, by the way, how much money did you make last month? But like, dude, that's what the tribe wants. I mean, that's like what they ask for. We're north of, we're north of your napkin math. Okay, good. uh, you know, that's pretty good. I if I need a forensic accountant, I will call you. So. <laughs> I love that. And and was it public what you guys just raised? Um yeah, we actually so we did a release on the initial raise. Um and I yeah, so we raised one one two five in the in the first seed. One point so. one million seed round? Yeah. Awesome. Well, guys, you know, Ben mentioned Heaton Shaw as a great mentor to him. We actually have Heaton coming on on episode 36. He talks about Kissmetrics, talks about his angel investments. You guys are going to love that episode. But Ben, I want to get into my favorite part of the show. Do you know what's next? I have no idea. Dude, it's time for the famous five. Are you ready? All right. Hit me. (laughs) All right, man. Number one, what's your favorite business book? Uh, Good to great, probably. Jim Collins, baby. Number two, a CEO that you're following or studying right now. Um, hmm. you know interestingly enough like I don't I try and really learn from people I try not to put other CEOs kind of on a pedestal but I I do spend a lot of time looking into people that have had things that are relevant to where I'm at and um, you know Evan from Snapchat is someone that I I've just kind of been paying attention to in terms of the way he approaches his product, um, you know, the the road he took to get to where he is and what's most important to him at the company right now. Um, you know, we're in LA, they're in LA, we we go to events, you know, the company functions, they come over here quite a bit. Well, Ben, so, I hope I hope you send your product design people to them because Snapchat is probably the shittiest designed app I've ever seen, yet it gets used so much. See, that's the thing. And um I so I coming from Apple, like I'll be perfectly honest, I had a very elitist attitude, um, you know, for a lot of when I first got into more of the broader entrepreneurial experience and startup weekend stuff, doing advising, doing angel stuff. And what I've realized about their product is that it speaks to the audience very, very well. If you watch a thirteen or a fourteen year old girl use Snapchat, they know the app inside and out. Yeah, and it's it's intuitive to them, but it's speaking to their customer, and it's not something you know that you or I would download and out of the gate understand. But you watch the way they're using, you know, interface design and the way they think about communication as a medium, and it's it's a very very good product market fit with them. Yeah, and you know, if you the people I I met um, Bobby, like the I think he was the co-founder, you know, lead tech guy, whoever it was at Snapchat. Um, yeah, but yeah. just incredibly. 
the way he thinks about problems and, um, you know, heads down, working, really, really caring, very, very humble, very modest. Well, and they're, they're more empathetic. They're more empathetic than I am to a 14 year old girl. I can't get my <laughs> mind there. I just, I, I use the thing because everyone else uses it. But I'm like, can't you just make it easy for me to add new friends? Like, I'm like, why can't they make this simpler? And I'm like, they've got to be doing it intentionally because the damn thing's working. So, yeah. anyways, good sure. advice. Number three, what is your favorite online tool, Ben, like Evernote? Um, my favorite online tool right now is actually Periscope IO. It's ah. a it's a SQL dashboard editor and just gives you real time in, insight into your business. And I I spend a lot of time using that tool. Okay, we'll link to that in the show notes at nathanlatka.com forward slash the top. Okay, Ben, number four, yes or no? Do you get eight hours of sleep each night? Ooh, I actually track all this. So you know you know Greenfield. Yep. Um but I track let me let me tell you my Running total right now. I'm at seven. I'm 15 minutes under eight hours for the last three months. Okay, so I, great. I try hard to get sleep. Close it's to eight. Important. Close to eight. Yeah. All right. Number five, Ben. If you wish your 20 year old self knew one thing, what would it be? Oh gosh. Um, that you don't need someone else's permission to go out and go after what you really want. You know, Lo- love that. Love that advice. Now, again, we talked about Yoshirt. We talked about the rocket ship we, you're on. We talked about what you learned from Steve Jobs. Ben, if people want to learn from you, where can they connect with you online? Um, I'm Easy Coder on Twitter. So the letter E, the letter Z, and then Coder. That's from Flying the Long Easy. Have you been up with me yet? Uh, I'll have to look. No, we've we've never flown, have we? Oh my! You're talking about in your plane? Hell no! Yeah. Dude, you got to come up sometime. Listen, you, I appreciate you saving my life in the Catalina Islands that morning. That was scary <laughs> as all knows what, and that's a story for another time. But um, look, maybe I'll go up there, but I need like a blindfold or something. I'll, I'll totally give you a blindfold. You can have a beer in the back. <laughs> there we go, dude. Just Okay, good. Well, look, dude, Ben, you, you know, from, from the work you did at Apple in retail to the work you're doing at YoShirt now with well over 400 grand in sales, over a million downloads and funding from the leading venture capital firm in the world, you're crushing it. Thank you for taking the tribe to the top. All right. Thanks so much, Nathan. See you, man. Bye. Bye. Coming up in episode number 24, you are going to learn from Sue Zimmerman. She will break down the funnel that worked for her $997 product and conversions were through the roof. This podcast is produced by Oration Recording and is sponsored by Eddie Communications and Roanoke, Virginia's Grandin CoLab, the premier workspace for entrepreneurs and growing companies. 